0: next time. Thank you.
1: Praise the Lord. We're glad to be in the house of God this morning for our Sunday school class. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Those that have joined us in-house and those that have joined us on live feed, thank you again for being with us. I want to remind everybody we do have our Sunday school classes for our nursery, kids class, teens. We have a young adults class and the one in the sanctuary. Sanctuary is on live stream and we are delighted that you are here with us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to touch and minister. We do have some Connected with the church that are sick, we got some that needs a special touch from God, and so we want to be much in prayer for them. If you're in-house and have a prayer request, they'll be known by lifting your hand. God knows every need. If you've joined us on live feed, you can text the keyword PRAYER to 205-642-8744, and we want to partner together with you in prayer. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God to minister today. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. Again, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you. Father, for the next few moments, as we're in a time of our Sunday school class, those, every teacher that's here today, Father, I pray that you'll touch and minister in their mindsets. God, I know that we face difficulties, we face trials in life, and Father, I'm praying that you'll touch everyone that uh, that is they teach us lessons to, the lessons today. Father, I pray that you'll give them the words to say, guide and direct their path, Father, I pray that you'll touch our students today, touch our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to comprehend your word this very day. You see those that are not able to be here, I pray, Father, that you'll touch and minister in their lives, give them the encouragement that's needed, and God, I praise you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Our Sunday school lessons, we st- we this is our lesson nine out of this particular quarter, uh, the first Eight lessons in this particular um, series was talking out of the book of Matthew, uh, talking about Jesus being the teacher, talking about different aspects of the life of Christ, how he taught, how he brought forth the word. Uh, We looked through the Sermon on the Mount, and I can assure you, looking through different aspects of his sermons, uh, Jesus would not be invited back to many churches today because of the way he preached. Uh, you got to remember uh, many times people will say oh you need to act like Jesus did okay that includes a whip and turning over tables uh, because that's a lot of times what needs to happen is people's lives need to be ups, upset the apple cart needs to be upset uh, it, we need changes in our lives and so everybody in here everybody joined the live stream all of us need things changed in our lives and so that's a lot of what I got out of Uh, Those lessons, great, wonderful lessons. I really enjoyed that. Uh, This Sunday, we start on a new unit. The unit is called the church. I've read through, uh, skimmed through the next few lessons as it's talking about the church. And I think that these are extremely important. It's talking about the church, how the aspects of the church, how it was created. And then also discipline and things of that nature in the church and how those things are very important. Discipline is not you go stand in a corner, although, uh, there may be some of the little kids in our church that we might need to do that to. You might need to say, you know, okay, Cade, you go now. Uh, Cade we was just talking about Cade just a minute ago. Cade growed up in this church, he uh, his first his first Sunday was my first Sunday, so Cade's been here forever. Uh, it feels like, but there's, there's an aspect of church discipline, and we're going to be looking at some of that, but t- this morning. The title of this particular lesson is Origins of the Church, Origins of the Church. We must always remember that the, and look, I'm going to say this up front because I, this is this is something that's just a pet peeve of mine. There are people that gets all super spiritual and they, they go, uh, they'll start this aspects of, uh, well, the church, we're not supposed to be confined to the quarters of a building, we're supposed to be at the highways and the... Byways and we're supposed to be doing, but they forget the other aspect of that. It says highways and byways and bid them to come to the house. And so people will get all super spiritual about uh, about they'll pinpoint on one aspect of biblical teaching and they get all super spiritual about that. But what we've got to realize is we are supposed to do all of the word of God. We're supposed to abide by, we're supposed to look at, and we're supposed to be a part of the entirety of the word of God. Not pick and choose, and so I really enjoy talking to those folks that they get super spiritual about one aspect. Uh, they they'll they'll holler about uh, God's not a god of denomination. God's not you know, and they'll go down those roads and they'll they'll try to figure out. They they pick and choose scriptures to go to that. But I want you to realize something: we're going to be looking at the entirety of the Word of God. We're not picking and choosing. Amen. And so what we must understand is the church has always been a part of God's plan. The the I'm not talking about religion, okay? I'm not talking about religion. We've all we I've said that how many times? Countless times. I'm tired of religion. I want relationship. When we're discussing the church, we're discussing you and I. We are the church. This building is a building. It's called a church building. This is a place where it has been dedicated for us to come to worship God. That's what this is. This is a church. It's a church building. But as far as church is concerned, uh, from the Word of God, we are the church. The building can be destroyed, but guess what? We can still have church. Uh, we, you know, if this building had been destroyed, a tornado comes through and tears this building down, we can go rent another building somewhere. We can. Uh, put a big old huge uh, uh, 20 by 30 tent up and we can put chairs under it, put fans around it, put heaters around it, we can still have church. We could gather together in somebody's li- living room. We could go to a restaurant and get a back corner somewhere. We can still have church. We do not have to have a building, but I'm thankful we got a building, right? When it's been really 10 degrees outside, I'm glad we got a building that's got heat on. Uh, when it's 100 degrees outside, I'm glad we got a building that's got air conditioning, right? So I'm glad we have a building, but when in this aspect of this Sunday school lessons, the lessons that we're looking at, the church is you and I. We are the church. The Bible plainly lays out that the church is supposed to come together. We're supposed to be a part of each other's lives. We're supposed to have a relationship with one another. The church has always been a part of God's plan we must also focus on and and realize and consider and appreciate the church of the Old Testament. We have the roots in the Old Testament, and we also have an origin in the New Testament. We, as the church of God, we state we are a New Testament church. That does not mean we take the Old Testament and throw it out the window. Our roots come from the Old Testament, but we are a new t- we our origin our beginning comes out of the new testament evangelism is an essential part of the church's mission the mission of the church is not to sit here on a pew and twiddle our thumbs we are to evangelize we are to go out into the highways and byways god gave through jesus christ his son gave us one word go we're supposed to be evangelized. We're supposed to go out. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And those that's been in, our, in, in this church with us for this amount of time knows that the book of Acts is a favorite aspect of mine. And so this, that's a lot of where we're going to be founded at in, in these next couple of lessons. I really like this. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says this. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. But while they were staying with them, and while staying with them, he ordered them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you said you heard from me. Many times people will look at these particular passages and they're thinking the only thing they're waiting on is the Holy Spirit. But there's more to it than just the Holy Spirit, the cloven tongue of fire. And everybody knows that I love Pentecost. I love Pentecost. But there's more to Pentecostalism than just a cloven tongue of fire. There's more to Pentecostalism. There's more to Pentecost than just what a lot of people will look at. There's more to it. So in this aspect of this Sunday school lesson, especially over the next several weeks, this unit that we're looking at, the unit called the church, we need to look at this. The word church means different things to different people. You and I know that this building is called a church. But we also know that a family is a church. You and I are a part of The Coosa Valley Church of God family. We are the church. Of church also is a place of worship. Hello. A church is the house of God. Hello. There's other things and aspects that the church is. The Greek word from which the New Testament church comes from means the assembly or the congregation or the meeting together. So when we discuss this out of the New Testament, when when God is talking about the church, He's actually referring to the congregation, those that assemble together, those that meet together, those that come together. So people tell me, oh, I can have church at home with me, myself, and I. That is actually a contradiction to what the New Testament church is all about. I understand and realize there are people that are homebound. They are sick. Those things, God understands that. I understand that. There's nowhere in Scripture that says, okay, because they're homebound, homebound they're therefore disaffiliated with the church. That's not what's being said. But being sick with lazyitis is not a, a cover, right? Coming together is a, an essential part of the New Testament church. Therefore, it is technically incorrect to refer to a building or just an organization such as Church of God. That's the church. That's not what it is. The church is a gathering of people of God for the purpose of serving God in His kingdom, worship, ministry, evangelism, teaching and instructing from the Word. Those are the New Testament definition of what the church is all about. The church is a local body of believers, and it can be around the world and one global congregation. So let's just use the denomination Church of God for an example. We have churches, that's groups, individual local congregations. We have over, I think it's over 37,000 individual local congregations worldwide. I may have the number wrong, but you get the point. There are those congregations. But what we must understand is when the New Testament is referring to the church, when you you do a word study on this word out of the New Testament from the Greek, it is understood as an assembling, gathering together of the people of God in a local setting. Look at what uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says. And while they w- while staying with them in a local setting right there in Jerusalem. Yes, the church is the ch- is those that are the churches we have in Africa are a part of the church. But when we're talking in a local new t- in a New Testament setting, it is mainly referring to a local body of believers coming together To be a part of the church. To do what? Assemble and gather together to worship, have ministry, evangelize, and have instruction from the Word of God. So laying a foundation for this, the church from a a New Testament point of view, that, all of that is what we're talking about about the church. Now, the New Testament corresponds to similar Old Testament gatherings of people, and it is a logical procession that God's plan began all the way back to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day when God walked among them. This lesson today is going to explore the Old Testament roots, the New Testament fruit of the church. The church is not an afterthought of God but it has always been a part of the heart and the plans of what God has wanted for you and I. I I can't emphasize that enough. I've, I've had dozens and dozens of people just in this last year alone that have come to me, just in the last year alone that have come to me and said, I can worship God in my home by myself. Yes, you can, but to be a part of what the New Testament church, what God is referring to in the New Testament church. He's wanting us to gather together, to assemble together in the house of God to worship Him together as a church family. We have an Old Testament root. So we're going to take a look at an Old Testament root. You You can turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 37. Or excuse me, Acts chapter 7, verse 37 through 38. Then we're going to also go to Deuter- Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 14. And then Psalms chapter 22, verse 22 through 25. Again, Acts chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and then Psalms chapter 22. We're going to start off reading. There's going to be lots of scriptures in this Sunday school lesson. We're going to start off reading Acts chapter 7, 37 and 38, and then we're going to go into Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 through 14. So let's start off at Acts chapter 7, 37 and 38. Look at what it says. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me, From your brothers this is the one who is in the congregation in the wilderness with an angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai with and with our fathers he received living oracles living direction living guidance let me see if I've got another word for you on that one lively oracles so something that's alive to give to us the Word of God is a living oracle It is living. He's giving that to us. Move on down to Deuteronomy. uh, Chapter 4 starting in verse 9 reading through 14. It says, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known. In other words, the word of God, we need to make them known to your children and your children's Children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Hareb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And you, and you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven. Wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And He declared to you His covenant, which He commanded to you to, to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And He wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statues, the rules, that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. Now, you and I both have heard me say, and I'll still say this, that Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the New Testament church. That may not necessarily be the exact date, but that's a date that I am celebrating. That's a personal thing. I celebrate that is a the birth, and the reason that I celebrate that is the birth of the New Testament at church is because they was they was gathering all their stuff together. It was things was forming, things was happening while Jesus was here. Things was taking place. The disciples was getting in their place, and then Jesus dies. He's buried. He's rose again. I'm not dismissing those things. I'm following you through this. And then he told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, go and wait, don't, meet, don't leave Jerusalem, you wait until you receive a promise. And then that promise was the Holy Spirit. At some point, some point to, as I as I do, the day of Pentecost is the birth of the church. This language was never used by the New Testament writers. This is something, you're not going to find a biblical backing for me saying that the that the day of Pentecost is the birthday of the New Testament church, okay? Just like you're not going to find that December the 25th is Jesus' birthday. Guess what? It's not there, okay? We must understand that. we didn't even, Jesus wasn't even born during the wintertime, so, I mean, you really want to get on that. And that's what some people will go to. They'll find little things like that, and they'll say, Oh, it's wrong, it's wrong. Here's the errors. No, what we must understand is the New Testament church received their power, their anointing, received their boldness on that day of Pentecost. And that's why many refer to the day of Pentecost as the birth of the New Testament church. Early apologetics for the church in the New Testament, they point to the scriptures and identify the original origins. They point to the Old Testament as the origin of the New Testament church. You've got to realize Everything in the old in the New Testament has a root in the Old Testament. You cannot throw out the Old Testament because if you do, you're throwing out the New Testament as well. Taking a look at Acts chapter seven, verse thirty-seven and thirty-eight, looking at those scriptures. This is G- Stephen's self-defense to the Sanhedrin after the rulers of the synagogue had brought false witness to accuse him of blaspheming. Stephen argued that the gathering of believers in Jerusalem was a continuation of the plan of God, the gathering of the people of God in the wilderness. He began with Abraham and progressed things through, through the history of Israel, the Old Testament, the prophets, accumulating all the way through their guilt of what they've done Against the Sanhedrin's done against the church, Stephen is sitting there saying, "Hey, the church gathering together, the church being together. You're not wanting this. You got to remember, after Jesus died and was buried, the Sanhedrin, those the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all those other e's, they're not wanting this group of misfits that have followed this good guy that was might have been a prophet th- around." that was baptized by John the Baptist, and a dove came down, happened to come down. It was just a coincidence that a dove came down from the heavens and sat on his shoulder. The Sanhedrin court, the religious leaders of the day, they're wanting to squish this group of misfits that has grown from 12 to 120, and is continuing to grow. They're into the thousands now, and the Sanhedrin's saying, we got to get rid of this joker we got to get rid of this bunch. They're contradicting everything that we're doing. Stephen is bringing a self-defense to the Sanhedrin for, uh, against the, they say, and he's blasphemed, but he's, all of this goes back to the New Testament church has been formed and is op- operating and is going against what these religious leaders are wanting to happen. Stephen referred to the church in the wilderness. He uses the word, the, a Greek word. And this Greek word, he begins with an overview of the formation all the way back to the nation of Israel when God called them through Abraham and delivered the children of Israel from Egypt slavery. And the Hebrews, they came out of bondage. God met them at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments was given. One thing that you find throughout all of this is it, and go back and find this verse. I think it's Acts chapter 7 and verse 38, I believe is where it's at. You can go back and you can look at this. Maybe it was over in Deuteronomy. Maybe it's the next verse. Deuteronomy chapter... All right, right here. This is what this is what I want you to see. This is, this is a big part of this. And... Stephen is referring back to this particular passage of Scripture and he's telling them, he's saying, Look, you need all of these things that have been laid on your heart. All of these things, what has been laid on their heart? The Ten Commandments, the Word of God, the, the directions from God. All of these things have been laid. And guess what? You're just supposed to hide those in your heart and you're never to, to let them go. Why? Because that's what David said. He said, I, That I hide my, your words in my heart, that I never sin, so I want to keep them in my heart. No! Yes, we need to have God's Word in our heart, but we also are supposed to be teaching our children and our children's children. And I go one step further. This is not just referring to biological. This is referring to every person that's a part of our family, our church family. We're supposed to be teaching them. We're supposed to be instructing them, and we're supposed to be guiding them. If we're not doing that, then we are failing. We need to be teaching. We... Guess what? They're not always going to listen to you. Does your children always? Did your children growing up? Did they always listen to you? Absolutely not. But when they stumble and fall, what are you supposed to do? Ha ha ha! I told you so. No, we're supposed to be right there with them to help them. That's what the family of God is all about. It's not about standing on their neck and saying, "Ha uh-huh. ha." No, but it's about instructing, giving guidance, giving direction. And showing them the direction, now if they decide to go somewhere else, guess what? They're going to realize they've messed up, and they're going to come back and they're going to say, I've messed up. They may not say it exactly those words, but you get my point. Your kids never did that, did they? Did your kids ever come back and say, I've messed up, I need you to fix this, if they was five years old? No. But what they realize, what Stephen is trying to show, and what Stephen is trying to get the church to understand there in Jerusalem, is that with their faith in Jesus, their branches are like vines interlinked in a chain, but it all goes back to Abraham. It all goes back to Moses. It all goes back to the children of Israel where the Ten Commandments was given to us, and we are supposed to be using those as a foundation to teach our children and our children's children. We have been redeemed through our faith in God, And we need to teach that. They're going to mess up. But we still need to love and we still need to teach them exactly what's going on. Deuteronomy chapter 4 this is a a record of the gathering of the wilderness, in the wilderness of a generation of Israelites as they're planning to cross over to the promised land. Moses recounted how God had called their parents out of Egypt's bondage, how that they forfeited their blessing through disobedience, and and they didn't follow the GPS for 40 years, and they wandered around in the wilderness, and this generation had an opportunity to gain what their parents had lost. A couple of weeks ago when we was in in Mobile, when we was there with a prayer conference, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and some things was being talked about, about a next generation, about them. Uh, they're not going to use the same music. They're not going to this. They're not going to dress like us. They're not going to walk. And, and me and a pastor friend of mine, was standing there and we was listening. And, and one thing that was not mentioned that I wished would is they, it was being mentioned how that this generation has got, to, has got to show and has got to guide and got to direct this ne- next generation. I'm not the one that likes to separate this thing out in generations. I'm showing you what was said. But me and a pastor friend of mine, one of the things that was never mentioned was this generation needs to stop and listen to this generation. Read several, several uh, articles and read several, several um, interviews concerning an older generation trying to show this next generation. And one of the things that an older generation always one of the things that always at the top of their mind is is this generation is not listening. This generation is not listening to what they're trying to teach. They know better than this generation. What we've all got to realize is everybody can learn from one another. You're not too old to learn, and you're not too young to learn. We've got to all learn from one another, and that's a big part of what is is showing up here in our in our in our lesson is we've got to continuously teach we've got to but it's all about us being together as a family. How are you going to teach if they're not together with you? How are they th- if Katie was never around me? That's my daughter. She is 17 years old. She is never around me. She's never right there. She's, she's never learning from me. She's never watching me. She never follows the example. She's never there with that. She's not going to see me in my times of prayer. She's not going to see me in my times of study. She's not going to hear the words of instruction. When she was when she started walking, every time she would go into, through the kitchen, we'd get on to her about touching the stove, whether it was on or not. Why? Because she would not know... If it was not owned. So we didn't want her to touch it no matter what. What was that lesson for? So she didn't get burnt. Are you following what I'm saying? If she was never there, we would never be able to teach. And that's a lot of what's going on. If you look at this, make them known to your children. What are we making known? the things that we've learned the things we've kept in our hearts the things that we've kept in our soul those things that we should not forget what we've seen with our eyes you need to tell those things why because they've got to learn how to serve god moses implored the people he in- implored this next generation he said don't make the learn from your parents that you don't make the same the same mistakes Pass along the covenant to the children, to your children's children, so that they can learn and they can they can uh, benefit from what we've done. If I know that there's a hole in the floor right there and I keep tripping on it, what do I need to do? I need to teach the next person that's going to be over here, there's a hole right there. What have they done? They get to learn there's a hole right there and they don't trip over it. That's the same concept. We are to remember. I wasn't there when when Israel gathered before the Lord at Hareb and God showed up with a powerful manifestation that that the that the whole earth shook when God spoke. I wasn't there when Moses came down off of the mountaintop with the the, the, the Ten Commandments. I wasn't there when the Red Sea was. But I can, when all of those things, I wasn't there. But I can learn what God has done from previous things. We're supposed to continuously share those things. The church is not this building. The church is this family of believers. Move down to Psalms chapter 22. Look at verse 22 through 25. Psalms 22, verse 22 through 25. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. Stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and He has not hidden His face from Him. He has heard, but He has heard when He cried to Him. From you comes my praise and the great congregation. My vows I will before, perform before those who fear Him. I love this verse right here. This is not part of this congregation, but or this uh, this uh, Sunday school lesson. But I love this verse. David writes this and he says, he says, "My vows I will perform before those who fear Him." You and I have made a vow with each other. You and I have made a vow before God. We need to do those things. People have come and joined, a, joined this church and made a vow to God in front of a congregation. You need to, Those are things we need to live up to. I made a vow to God that when I became a member of Coosa Valley Church of God, this is my vow. This is what I'm, I, I'm making that vow as a member of this church. This is what I'm doing. Our vows need to mean something. The psalmist David, he represents a man who is suffering and it feels abandoned by God. I'm going to tell you something. You're suffering. You're going through something. You feel abandoned by God. You feel abandoned by mankind. You feel abandoned. Guess what? You're not alone. David felt the same thing. Jesus cried out the first line of Psalms 22 when he said it from the cross. In Matthew 27 and 46, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The psalm progresses on with a powerful depiction of the suffering that is constant, with the suffer- just like the suffering of Christ on the cross. If you're facing suffering, you're facing ridicule, you're facing persecution, you're facing troubles, you're facing trials, guess what? Unfortunately... That's a part of Christianity. You're going to face suffering. It's not going to be cloud nine all the time. Yes, when we come into the house of God. Yet, that's what the whole thing about coming into the the house of God, being together with other believers. That's why that is so important so that when I am facing problems, David cried out. he He said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. The church has been built on the rock of God, the foundation of God. If a church body is using the rock of Jesus Christ as its foundation, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. We've got to understand being together as a body of believers, it does matter. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. Yes, I'm not talking about when COVID hit. I'm talking about going through that process after COVID had hit after the state of Alabama had been shut down for two weeks. That's what was said was two weeks. Two weeks turned into three weeks and four weeks, and then it continues on into months and months. I'll never forget it after several months had gone by before we had opened the doors for people to come back, and and y'all, you all know, you understand Coosa Valley Church of God was one of the very first churches in this area that we opened the doors for people to come back in and gather together. But I know the importance of us coming together. And I'll never forget this. I had several people call me right before the time came that we had opened and we said, all right, y'all, we, 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 we need to get back together. We need to get back together. And I realized there was some that didn't. And I get that. I understand that. I'm not, not, I'm not knocking that. But I'll never forget this. I got phone calls. I got text messages. Or I'd go by and I'd visit people. I'd sit on, we'd sit on the porch and we'd be a good distance apart and we're sitting out on the porch or I'm standing on the porch. They're standing in the house. We're talking through the glass door. This is one of the biggest things that I heard. I miss being together with my church family. Watching it online is not the same thing. And that's what we've got to realize in these Sunday school lessons. It is vitally important us as a church family coming together. That is vital importance. Being together when we do face... When we're facing COVID, we're facing sickness, we're facing spiritual down, spiritual uh, uh, things that tears us down spiritually. We're facing those things. When we come together into the body of believers, guess what? That does lift us up. Take a look at verse twenty-two when it says this, and and it does it says it a couple other times through this, but word twenty-two. Verse 22, the word congregation, it's translated identical to the word. In, is translated in the Hebrew, but it is translated identical to the same word in the Greek. Through the Old Testament text, or mainly written in Hebrew, the first century was very influential in the translation of the Old Testament. As a place, when it translates this word, verse 22, and I think it's in 25 again, and it may be in a couple other places in these verses, but this word, congregation, is translated as a place and a space to prevail over the sufferings and depression through praising and worshiping God. This word, congregation, this is referring to a place to gather together to fight against depression, to fight against suffering. How, when we gather together as a congregation, to do what? Praise and worship God. David was saying, and this is not in the this is not in the in on the on the screens, but you can go back in. You could look at Hebrew or uh, Hebrew Psalms. Chapter 63, I'm turning turning very quickly here. Psalms chapter 63. I love what this says. Psalm 63, this is also talking about the congregation. This is talking about this. He, uh, David, he writes this out. He says, earnestly, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for longs for you. I have looked on you, verse 2, Upon uh, I looked upon you in the sanctuary, gathering place of the congregation where your glory and your power is at. I will bless your name as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul is going to be satisfied. I remember you. I know what it's like to be around you. He tells them, I meditate on you in the night watches. David is telling them, and in verse 7, he goes on and he says, You've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I'm going to sing for joy. David is telling them, in the assembly of the congregation, when we've come together in that assembly, that's when I draw my strength. That's when I draw my comfort. That's when I get my help. Do you know what I've seen over 20 years? Almost 27 years of ministry. I've seen this several times. Two groups. Two groups of people. Well, I'll say three because the third group, we'll say the third group doesn't apply to the first and the second one that I'm going to tell you. I I'm, I like being in the third group of this, this set right here. Almost 30 years of ministry. I was doing the math in my head almost t- so 29 years of ministry right now been preaching this is what i've seen basic basic generic three groups i like being in the third group by the way okay the first group is this they only come to god in the time of problems when things start getting good whoop, i've received from god i'm good for six months Woo-hoo! glory to god hallelujah You don't find them anywhere around. The second group, when things are bad, they're nowhere around. But when things start getting good in their life for whatever reason, things start going good, they're right there with church. But the moment things go bad, bam, I'm gone. What we've got to be is we've got to be in that third group i got to be with God when it's going good. i got to be with God when it's going bad. Because you know why? God's going to make the good gooder, and God's going to make the bad better than good, or better than bad. How's that? Is that good wording? What we've got to realize, when things are bad, God's going to make that better than without him. How do we do that? By being assembled together in the congregation of the church. David was saying, when his suffering... Even when it felt like God had forsaken forsaken him, verse 22 says, that it would not silence him or keep him away from the worship with the congregation. David's son, he had a death. During the time of his son's sickness and and all these bad things that's going on, He's got, he's got, he's got the the ash on him. He's 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 crying. He's weeping out for God. Well, the moment the servant comes in, they they was, this is my imagination. So don't think that this is extra what happened because I don't have a Bible ver- verse to back this up. But the servants was over there playing rock paper scissors to know which one was going to go tell him that his son just died. No, I'm not going to. You go to. No, I'm not doing it. You go do it. He likes you better. You go do it. Finally, one of the servants goes and tells David. He says, "You're—I mean, he's been mourning. He's been weeping. He's going through a suffering time." And then they go and they tell him, "Your son's died." They was expecting him to just go off the wall. But what does he do? He gets up. He dusts himself off. He goes and grabs him a bowl. He goes and grabs him a pop tart throws it in the microwave, gla- grabs him a glass of milk, eats that Pop-Tart, drinks that milk, and he says, I'm going to the house of God. And they look at him and "What? The, what are you doing? You, 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 your son's been dead and you all this stuff, and then now your son's died and, and, and now you're going to the house of God. What are you doing? You've lost your mind. And he says, I want to go to where he's at. So I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to go worship God. I'm going to praise God because I know that there's coming a time that I'm going to be able to go to where my son's at. That's, in mine and your language, that's what he was saying. Church, I know that we all face difficulties, but guess what? David was saying in his suffering when God had forsaken him, it's not going to silence him. It's not going to keep him from the house of God. I can't not tell you how many times in 29 years of ministry that I have woke up on a Sunday morning and said, I don't want to go today. Don't raise your hand because I don't want anybody lying by not raising your hand. How many times have you ever not wanted to go to church? You ever felt that way? Yeah, I want to stay in bed, and I'm not talking about last Sunday when it was cold. I'm going to tell you all right now, I didn't want to, uh-uh. This past Wednesday, it was raining. I wanted, I'd already gotten here before the rain hit. Or I wouldn't have wanted to come. But here's the facts of the matter. We go to the house of God to do what? Worship and praise Him with the congregation. Even when everyone knew that David was going through trials, he still praised God. And when he was going through the storm, he still praised God. Verse 23, Psalms 22 and 23 says that he invited his brethren to join him in a time of praise. Verse 24 says he goes on and affirms that God is not going to abandon the afflicted. The rest of verse 24 says... That though it may seem everything and everyone has turned against him, the worshiper cries, God is going to listen and God is going to console. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's happening in your life. When you come to the house of God, you can get a hold of God. When you start praising and worshiping, God is going to take care of you. Verse 25, once again, David declared he would he would praise the Lord In the great congregation, everyone knew that David was suffering. But even in those times, he did not abandon worship and he did not abandon God. Why? Because David knew that God had not abandoned him. Go on down. Let's let's say prayerfully awaiting the Father's promise prayerfully awaiting the Father's promise. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Let's take a look at what it says. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the first book of Theopolis, I have dealt with thee all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given his commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days, speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. That word wait is a powerful word that many people do not know how to do. Wait. When I take my car up to the the, uh, mechanic and and they got to do an oil change, do you know what the worst part about that is? It ain't paying the bill. It's the fact I've got thousands of things I could be doing, but I'm having to sit there in that waiting room and I'm having to wait. It's going to take them 30, 45 minutes, whatever the time frame is. Seems like it's 14 hours. But I've got to sit there and I've got to wait. Why? Rushing them is not going to help. I have found out from people, I've I've never done this, but I have found out, if you start going, I've been, I've sat in the waiting room many a times. I remember friends of mine, they ran a mechanic shop up in Anniston, and that's where I'd always take my car to, and I was sitting there in the waiting room one day, and I was reading a book, waiting on them to change the brakes or do something on my car. It was going to take a couple of hours, and I'm sitting there waiting, and Brother Mike, you know what I, I, I witnessed multiple times? Somebody would come in and they would bring their car. How much much time is this going to take? Well, I got to hurry. I got to get going. It's going to take 30 minutes. Well, can y'all get it done any quicker? Nope. It's going to be 30 minutes. They were some of those I timed. You know what? It wasn't no 30 minutes. It was 45 minutes. Every time they'd go up, they had a sign behind the wall, behind the counter that said, every time you ask, it adds five minutes. Every time, I never asked. I didn't want another five minutes on mine. I was like, man, y'all get done with mine quick. I'm not asking. But the thing about it is, is wait for the promise which he had said you have heard from me. The foundation of the church is found in the Old Testament. However, the church establishes its primary identity through the faith in Jesus Christ. What is our whole basis of our belief system? What is the whole basis of us as Christians? It's not red carpet. It's not a cross hanging on a wall. The whole basis of our, our, our belief system is our faith in Jesus Christ. That is the basis of our belief system. Our faith in Jesus Christ over what? We know that the blood of Christ was shed on the cross of Calvary for the forgiveness of our sins. We, did, who, who was there seeing that happen? Did anybody see that happen? None of us. I've watched it on TV, the reenactment, multitude of times. But not one of us have ever was there when Jesus was hung, hanging on the cross. So how do I know that Jesus hung on the cross? I have faith that he hung on the cross of Calvary for my sins. I have faith that he took the 39 stripes on his back with a cat of nine tails. I have faith that he took the stripes for what? For my healing. I have faith that he hung on that cross and he died. He was taken down and placed in a borrowed tomb. I didn't see him taken off of a cross. Did anybody see him get buried? Nope then what happens? We have the faith that he was placed in that borrowed tomb. And I also have the faith that on the third day the, that the two ladies was going to the, they were, Mary and the... Mary was going there. And when they got there, Mary and Martha was going... They was going to go and they was going to do the funeral rites and they got there and the stone had been moved. There was no Roman guard there, but there was a man sitting, sitting along the side and they looked at him and they said, Where have you taken his body? And what was the response? He said, Why are you searching for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I have faith. The basis of our belief system as a Christian is all built on faith but if I've got the faith that those things happened then I also have the faith that Daniel laid in a lion's den and had a good night's rest I also have the faith that three Hebrew boys was thrown in a fiery furnace They was bound, but all of a sudden they're loose up walking around and they was in the midst of them, one who looked like the, and the Bible says he looked like the son of the gods. That's what the king said. I've got the faith that those things took place. I have faith in the word of God, the entirety of the word of God. And the moment that somebody comes and questions that faith, if i start to shake and crumble then my faith is not built on a solid rock i have got to have faith and its unwavering faith oh why should you believe that jesus hung on the cross you don't have evidence nope i don't have evidence i don't have i was not there and i do not have a facebook live vote video that i can show you of jesus hanging on a cross i cannot show you that but i've got faith because i know he forgave me of my sins. I have faith that the cat of nine tails hit his back 39 times. He had those stripes. I've got the faith that I can be, that, that, that was there for the healing. Why? Because God's healed me. I've got faith in those things. We've got to have faith. And in that faith, we've got to wait on what God is sending For you and I as believers, the foundation of our church, the foundation of our belief system, the foundation of a Christianity is our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the long-awaited Messiah that the uh, Old Testament prophets had been talking about. Can you just imagine walking down a road one day? You just left your house and you go into the nearby Dollar General's. You're walking, you're strolling, taking a stroll one day and you see this crazy looking fella coming out of the woods and he, you get a little closer and you can, ooh, he hadn't bathed in several months. He don't look like he's ever went to, man, I was fixing to name a suit store, but I can't even name a suit store now. We was just talking about. Uh, he's never been to on-time fashion. He's never been to Andy's Big and Tall. He's got he's got he's got animal skin on him as his clothing, and he comes out of the woods. We ain't heard from a a word from God in a long time, and then all of a sudden this guy comes out of the woods and he says, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And then you're getting a little closer and you see him. He's starting to baptize folks in, in a pond over there. And so you stop and you just start watching. You want to see what's going on. You want to see what's happening. You know good and well you'd have done it. Every time there's a wreck on 231, what does everybody do? We don't speed up. We mash that brake and we go slow because we're looking. I wonder if that's so-and-so's car. I'm going to see. I wonder what happened over there. As soon as you get home, you go on Facebook and you try to find all the group pages and you want to see what, what took place. somebody got pictures. Somebody's telling what happened. So you're going down, the, going down the road. You're supposed to be going to the Dollar General and you start slowing down you start watching and all of a sudden you hear that, 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 that man that come out of the wilderness. He says, look! This is a guy coming up the road whose shoes I'm unworthy to loosen. He gets a little closer and he starts, this guy named John the Baptist starts telling, he tar- starts telling them, this guy, I can baptize you in water, but this guy's going to baptize you in fire. And Jesus gets closer and he says, I need you to baptize me. He says, whoa, wait a minute. I can't baptize you. Y'all think about that. I've baptized probably hundred something folks. I could not imagine baptizing Jesus Christ. I'd be afraid I'd hold him up for too long. But John the Baptist baptizes him, and you're still standing there, and you got your grocery list you're supposed to be going to Dollar General for. Je- Jesus gets baptized, and when he comes back out, a dove lands on his shoulder, and a voice from the heaven says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You get get back home and your wife says, What took you so long to go to Dollar General? Honey, you just would not believe what happened today. Y'all just think about this. This is what took place. But I've got the faith. Why? Because I believe in the Word of God. Our belief system, everything that we have, everything that takes place in our life, is our belief in God. Our belief in his word. Our belief in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's, let's wrap this thing down. I just got two minutes left. This is just a phenomenal lesson. You need to go back. You need to read this. You need to go back into this. You need to go back and read through this Sunday school lessons. These Sunday school lessons are just absolutely going to be. They're just phenomenal. But what we've got to realize, if you don't grab anything else, you've got to realize that he's talking about the church continuing to be the church. The Old Testament congregation began with Adam and Eve and God in the Garden of Eden. His church grew and multiplied into thousands at the foot of the mountain of Sinai. Now, over one billion people globally identify as a Christian. But I told you last Sunday, what did I tell you? More and more, over half of the United States now, they fall in a category of that they are not a religious, have a religious affiliation. Only God knows who's the sheep and who's the goats. But it's suffice to say that God planned for the church to grow and God planned for the church to be a foundation for many people's lives. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 tells us that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that foundation. Our faith in God is a part of that foundation. We've got to trust and believe on Him. Amen? Amen. Live feed, thank you so much for joining with us. Join us back at 11 o'clock for our Sunday morning worship. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. Thank you so much for being with us today. May God bless you. Amen.